Hey everybody, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with the DM's Deep Dive. Uh, this is a completely irregular show done whenever myself and a guest can get together and talk about a particular topic of D&D and dive deep into it. And today the topic of conversation is something that is completely non-controversial and I don't think anybody has real strong opinions on it, but I thought I'd bring it up anyway, which is skill challenges. We're going to talk about skill challenges today. I wanted to bring Teos in on this conversation because I know Teos has thoughts about skill challenges. We've talked about it a lot. He has experience building skill challenges. He's worked with them a lot, as have I. And I thought it'd be a fun time for the two of us to get together and talk specifically uh, about, about this conversation. Teos, would you, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Hello, everybody. Uh, Mike, thanks for having me on. Oh, I am qualified by being super opinionated about skill challenges. I don't even, um, I don't, yeah, my, my wife, sorry to interrupt you, but it's not going to be the last time. So uh, my, I was talking about this with Michelle, my wife, and she said, what is Teos's opinion on skill challenges? And I said, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. Like, we're going to find out, right? So I'm excited. Uh, spoiler, it's a bit of everything. But uh, so I'm Teos Abadia. Uh, I have worked on a number of things for Dungeons and Dragons, uh, probably culminating in the Acquisitions Incorporated hardback book which you should all have and read. Um, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, worked on a lot of convention events for 5e and D&D Next. I worked with you on the super awesome Vault of the Draculich um, and with Scott Fitzgerald Gray, Dream Team. Yeah. Um, best project ever. And then I uh, recently have been working a lot for Dwarven Forge. I worked in board games, what, for uh, Hero <laughs> Quest. That was awesome. Uh, and then I'm about to, hopefully, uh, in probably a month, launch a Kickstarter with an adventure I wrote with my son, which is pretty cool. Awesome. That is awesome. Okay. I'll, be, I'll be back in it. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, skill challenges are something that has kind of come back, I'd say, right? Like, they were part of 4E, <laughs> and then they kind of, you know, along with much of 4E, sort of disappeared. And then we we're all kind of into 5e and we're doing 5e stuff. And I'd say with probably within the last few months, I saw a lot more sort of, hey, there was good things about 4e that got thrown out with the bathwater. And we should really, you know, think about some of them. And some of them, one of the ones that came back and has come up in conversation are skill challenges. People refer to, oh, skill challenges were great. And you know, I, I guess I won't get right into my opinion on the matter. But let, before we get too far, uh, I'd like to talk about what a skill challenge is. Uh, yeah. And I think there's two well, sides I, to this. One is... Can I even take us back? Yeah. So, yeah, well, let me, give, give me one second. Okay. We'll, we'll see, because I think it's going to go for it. So one is, what was it in fourth edition, right? And two is, what do we mean by it now? And yeah. I think they're separate things. But please, yeah, take us back. Well, I even want to say, what was it even before that? Sure. And why did we even end up with, with skill challenges, right? right? Because before third edition, we really basically didn't have skills, Right. And so what would happen is the designer or the DM would just cook up some wild situation and we would have to think our way out of it. And it was often really arbitrary. Uh, I mean, that's, you can almost characterize this like arbitrary. Um, and did I just go black? I just screwed everything right. up. Oh, it's okay. Um, I moved the window and it just blew everything up. There we go. I, oh, it's almost there. Oh, oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No. Uh, so, you know, so back then it would be, I mean, this is a world when backstabbing, sneak attacking required to spend three rounds getting behind the monster, right? So figuring out any situation could often involve, you know, like, oh, uh, I want to feel the tunnel. Is it smooth? Oh, maybe a purple worm came here. The other one, it's rough. Maybe an umber hulk. Oh, well, the other one has to be safe. That was sort of your skill challenge, but it could be really arbitrary, right? The treasure could be hidden inside a pillow or just the weirdest stuff. And so we just sort of like messed around in the environment. And that was because it was so arbitrary. With a bad dungeon master, it was atrocious, right? It was just so bad. And even Gary Gygax's stuff could be like painful at times. And like check out the garbage chute and the fire layer. And, and you didn't say you didn't say you checked behind the upper ring of the curtain. Right. You didn't say you looked up. Turns you out there's a purple worm up there. Right. Yeah. So there was this desire not only to give you skills, which other games were doing, but to a little bit more codify the experience and have a more cohesive and fair experience that you could participate in around that. And so in third edition, you had skills, but you also had this storytelling application in encounters where you were doing things. 
Unfortunately, because of the nature of situations, they really ended up being two things that you do. One is like a magic puzzle, right? <laughs> Arcane runes on a door. Right. And the other one was diplomatize the noble. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And this usually involved a bunch of checks because it's a complicated thing. Right. And one character would do it, though, guess what? The best one at the skills, which was for the arcane door was going to be your bard or your wizard. And for the diplomacy was like your cleric or your sorcerer, right? Right, right. And that was a skill challenge back then. And it was horrible because it was everybody just sat and it was like watching a Decker in Shadowrun, right? It was just like, <laughs> great, yeah. we're having fun. Yeah. So fourth edition was this idea, right, of like, what if everybody's involved? It's still a level playing field, but everybody's involved. There's this sort of complexity to it around this scene. There are a bunch of checks that we're all going to try, and we're all going to try to do these things. And we'll use skills to triumph through the scene, right? I don't know if that helps. Yeah. So what do you, when, when people talk about them today, what do you think they mean? Are they talking about, and I know we're like grouping a lot of people in the one big pile, right? Yeah. Generally speaking, what do you think people are talking about when they say, boy, I miss skill challenges? Do you think they're talking about how they worked in 4E? <laughs> no, because I mean, they were dismal in, 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 in 4E in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, in, in fact, it's sort of funny to hear the rose-eyed glasses come out now because in a lot of ways, that was, it, it had great potential, but it was often really flawed yeah, at the didn't, table. Didn't turn out to play out that way, right? No, yeah. you know, but but I think it was the fact that we do hunger for these scenes that involve skills, involve interacting with the environment, with the situation, um, as the primary primary determinant of that action and storytelling. Mm -hmm. Right? We want to traverse the wilderness and have that feel real and like we're all doing our part. We want to, you know, and it can be a simple thing like get across the canyon or uh, navigate the darkness or figure out what happened in the crime scene and these kinds of things are cool when we all use our skills and there's some sort of structure to it and we feel like it's engaging right mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. it's a lot of fun yeah yeah and i think I, right I, I think you're exactly right i think that people are looking back on them and they're they're in my opinion they're forgetting what they were defined as in 4e and they have maybe things that they're doing today which they call skill challenges that aren't really like the 4e skill challenges and probably are working just fine for them and that's great right like hey we you know 5e in a lot of ways we all have to sort of reach out and invent our own stuff because it's not there yeah uh right. and and if they've right. got something and it works it's great and i know there's you know there's like a million youtube videos about different op options for, for for skill challenges so so recognizing that we have this like heavily structured spreadsheet style skill challenge from from 4e where it's like this is what you need to accomplish this is how many successes you have to get this is how many failures you have to get these are the skills that you can use go right which was very rigid and in my, and in yeah, my opinion fell rigid. apart the minute a player got involved, right? They're like, yeah. I don't want to do that stuff. I'm not riding a raft down the down the thing. I'm flying, right? right I'm right. going to go walk on the side. Oh, you can't walk on the side. Why not? Right? Well, it's a big cliff. Yeah. I'll go on top of the cliff. No, there's dragons up there, right? You got to get on the raft. <laughs> Roll your freaking athletics check, right? So, um yeah, the the, the minute they 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 broke apart, and 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 so I think yeah, people are people are starting to come up with their own. So so looking at where DMs are today, and looking at the kind of D and D we have today, and how D and D has mm -hmm. evolved, what three tips would you offer a a modern day dungeon master, a fifth edition dungeon master, when they're running complicated situations that that typically skill challenges yeah. addressed? So I would say the first thing is you want to focus on the scene, and and or scenes and the story of it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, less on the skills. So one of the real problems with 4E was that it would often look at the list of skills and it would prescribe to you a result, mm -hmm. which is what you're talking about, right? That yep. whole thing where you're like, you, you want to describe what you're doing, but the, the module, you know, the adventure literally says uh, you, you know, push through the barrier and to the other side when you had a totally different idea, right? Mm -hmm. So don't don't that's not the point of these things. The point of it is the story and the scenes and how that's going to tell a story over time. Mm -hmm. um, I would say my second would be allow good results to provide advantages and move the scene forward. And then failures are going to be setbacks to that to mm -hmm. that what your what your goal is and complications that have a story and goal impact that is going to be enjoyable at the table. 
And it's not that four successes before three failures type approach of 4E. It's, it's not some mathematical equation. It's you telling a story with your table. Let that play out the way it should based on what happened and what was failed or succeeded at, right? Mm -hmm. and, and do you have a third? Um, sure. The whole thing should feel organic. Mm -hmm. Like it should not feel like a board game. That can be fun for some groups, you know, just like puzzles can feel good when they feel that way. But but I would say in general, it shouldn't feel like, OK, now everybody give me, you know, your blood check or, you know, what's your best skill? Look it up. And, you know, <laughs> ideally, it feels like a scene in a movie or a novel where we're resolving these situations. And it's cool. Right. We're, we're mm -hmm. trying to figure out, you know, where do you think the you know, how do we talk Rohan into helping us? Mm -hmm. Right. It's that sort of situation, and it should play out that way with hopefully cool, dynamic role playing and and you know clutch roles and everybody excited and that kind of thing. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I think you stole all three of my top <laughs> tips that I was going to give, and you nailed them. <laughs> this is going to be boring. I thought we were going to we're going to argue about the ladders that uh, where the DCs change depending on the level of the person that's climbing it. That's what we're going to. I mean, do. that was a big part of uh, skill challenges. <laughs> no kidding, right? Like it's an that epic ladder. <laughs> That's what people love the most about skill challenges with the DCs were calibrated to your party. So it was always a really cool challenge. Why? Yeah. Why, why have bonuses? Because so... the world is defined by you, Mike, not? not by some other person at another table playing an entirely different level. <laughs> it's your story. <laughs> the whole world shifts and changes. The ladder it gets does. creakier and the, yeah. the rungs start to break. And I'm like, why? I got good at this. Yeah. So I think I think the, the, the yeah, if, you know, offering offering my thoughts on it. Uh, I agree completely that, it, it, you know, if you if you want if somebody wants to have a system, if they want to have a framework that helps them with this, spend that time thinking about what the actual situation is in the world more than the mm -hmm. mechanics that you're going to wrap around it. Right. So really, like if you're if you think about like a court scene, you know, the whole the whole, you know, uh, diplomatize the noble. Right. Well, really think about that noble. Think about the nobles advisors. Think about the people that are against them. Make it make it like Elizabeth. Right. Make it like Queen Elizabeth's yeah. court. Right. With yeah. all these intrigues and all these people that are going against her and all these people. That, and think that through. Don't think about DCs. Don't think about skills. Don't think about, you know, think about how that works without relation to the characters. Right. Think about think about how it actually works. If you have a bunch of cultists committing sacrifices to summon a demon, think about what the things are in the world that's causing that. Right. Yeah. And then, like you said, you know, go go towards, you know, go go towards what choices the characters make, i.e. what choices the players are making, and then think about yeah. how that works. Yeah. And then we go to our core mechanic, right? We fall back to the core mechanic of D&D, &D, which is DM describes the situation, player describes what they want to do, DM arbitrates the situation, right? And yeah. and that middle yeah. part, we don't know what that's going to be, right? right? We don't know what the, we don't know what that is. So better to know, you know, if you want to prepare, because I think we get very nervous when we don't have a framework in front of us, right? We're like, I don't know, how am I going to do that, right? And, and if we yeah. take that nervousness and that energy and put it in towards understanding the world, what's happening in the world, you know, then we're, it's easier to improvise. We know how they're going to, totally. you know, how is the, the king's advisor going to react to being insulted, you know, or we, we can work with that. And then, yeah, you, you know, on that idea of, of uh, failing forward and success, you know, uh, success with complications, right? This, it isn't a binary success fail mechanic. And I think that that's what they tried to do. They tried to ca capture that in 4E with uh, the so many successes before so many failures to kind of codify this one check isn't going to, isn't going to break it. And uh, it's worth, but the problem is yeah, like, why yeah, is it three, right? Like, well, how come every skill challenge, no matter how complicated always fails with three fails. And it's like, why? Like, that doesn't make any sense, you know, not in the well, world. Well, it didn't before. Uh, yeah, that's right. the errata it, it, version, right? I mean, one of the things right. that's worth noting is fourth edition launched with the DMG having these skill challenges in there, yep. but they hadn't been part of the playtesting. Yeah. Uh, not that there was a lot of playtesting for 4E, but <laughs> it, it was this thing that got thrown in there and originally was like a totally different amount of failures for each level of complexity. And the complexity is supposed to sort of determine how media challenge it is and the idea with a five complexity which is 12 successes and three failures originally was a much higher number that which is a huge <laughs> amount of roles right that was supposed to be like a combat right xp wide 
right, right. And it's just, and the reality is it didn't work at all as printed. And if you look at the errata document, it's like replace paragraph three with this, replace paragraph seven with this, yeah. replace paragraph six. It's oh, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> Enrique, I had Enrique Bertrand on this show. I don't know if you saw that one. We're talking about 4E I'm sure it overall. And, and we were just yeah, laughing yeah. at like the 197 page errata or whatever it was. And, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's, so, yeah, so I think your I think your three tips are are absolutely you know they're 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 as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what anybody else thinks, but I think your tips are great. Uh, so <laughs> same when when we look back at at what skill challenges we've already talked a lot about it, but um, I'm, I guess I'm particularly interested in like what were the aspects that skill challenges that worked uh, in 4E with yeah. skill challenges? Like what we we I think we kind of know well. Let me start by so we can get out of the way and get it. You know, at least for me, it's like therapy mm-hmm. uh, to talk about what clearly in my mind didn't work. And, and, and we've we've mm-hmm. we've talked a bit about it, which is the structure is too rigid. Right. The structure is yeah. brittle. And when you it, it's arbitrary. Right. In a lot of cases, you'd have these five successes before three failures. They're completely arbitrary. And you were trying to define what the skills would be that somebody would use when there are spells that can take place or there are things right. they should just be able to do given the circumstance in the world without having to roll a check. And yet we're trying to shoehorn them back into rolling a check because that's what our spreadsheet tells us we need to do. Right. And, and right. that, that rigidity, I mean, like I tried, you know, the thing that kind of bugs me and like when I get in arguments with people about it on Twitter, cause what else are you going to do on Twitter? And is that, or, or, or maybe I'm just having the arguments in my head because I don't actually post, but I read somebody's tweet and then I have an argument in my head, yeah. which is far more effective than actually posting anything to Twitter as far as I can tell. And uh, the argument that I have in my head is like, you know, they, they, I, I, I've spent a lot of time working with skill challenges, right? I have like five Sly Flourish articles and you can read me going like crazier and crazier <laughs> if, you, if you read through these until at the end, I'm like, just stop. Just stop trying, uh-huh. right? I was like, yeah. and, and I, I think I came up with this idea of like dynamic skill challenges, which are a series of skill checks, right? Like, yeah. and and so they, they, the 4E style didn't work for me. But yeah. parts of it, you know, I don't think, I don't, you know, obviously there's a need there and people are interested yeah. in it. So what are the aspects of, of the fourth edition skill challenge that worked and that we can bring forward, would you say? So, so I think of two things when I think about skill challenges that worked. One was uh, my first Gen Con after 4E had launched. We played a game there and had this fantastic experience in this tavern dealing with all these different individuals. And at the end of it, one of my friends goes, was that a skill challenge? And the DM's like, yeah, I just smoothed it over. (laughs) And later I looked at the adventure and I mean, smoothing it over is is like understatement. An understatement, you know, tremendous understatement. He had really, he had done what what it should have been, right? Which is to make it feel like an organic, story-driven, responsive to what we're coming up with kind of thing and used it all as just a framework and a guide, which is what most of things kind of are and should be, right? It, to, to be successful, they, they should adapt to the players and work around them. And in the end, I mean, the truth is it felt like it what it should have felt like. It felt like we were talking to people and learning information and and progressing towards our goal, right? Um, so that was, you know, just early on, I knew from my first Voyage Gen Con, these things can work. It's a matter of figuring out how. And as I saw really bad ones, then I could just check off my list, <laughs> not like this, right, right? Right. And then I'd see good ones and go, okay, more like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so we, you know, I've, I've written a lot of him and I, to me, what works is focusing on that scene, right? Where you, you look at, like we did one for ashes of Athos that had, uh, the, you had to find a way into the ziggurat of tear, mm-hmm. right? And so what it does is it has a series of steps and there are possible things you can do. Like one is, well, you've got to find somebody that knows about this. So how do you go about finding someone who might give you this? And so like one of the options is you could talk to somebody who is a Templar with the defense kind of group, the defense ministry. And that has its own dangers, as you might expect, of trying to deal with a Templar and negotiate. So if you go that route, it can you know unfold in certain ways, different checks, different kinds of interactions, and that can play out. But it could even turn against you, right? Because they might raise the alarm that you're going to break in or do both, tell you where it is, but also raise the alarm. 
Um, and same thing with like uh, people who are ex-gladiators might tell you different information. So there was this way to like filter through the scenes while making skill checks so that it felt ideally organic and good. And when you'd see this play out at the at the event at the table, you know, running it time and time again, you can assess whether it works or not, right? And that's that's why I like organized play so much is you you see just table <laughs> after table the thing that you created play out, and right. you go, okay. You know, this was pretty good. You know, this did the, this fit the bill and the DMs know what they're doing. Right. right? So because it's, it's always two things. You've got to communicate to the DM how this thing should play out. Mm -hmm. And you have to have it work for the players at the table as an experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the, uh, the thoughts, so I, I guess there's two topics I want to talk about, and I guess I can write them down. I have a notepad right here, but I'll mention them as well. I want to talk about uh, the idea of doom, doom clocks. I forget what they're called mm -hmm. in Blades in the Dark. Blades in the Dark has a name for these things. Uh, somebody please mm -hmm. remind me. Uh, there's, it's some something clock, but, I'm, I, but I think like the idea of like the Armageddon clock mm -hmm. from the Powered by the Apocalypse games yep. uh, and, and mm -hmm. Blades, I know, came from that. But there's another name that... that that Blades uses for it. I want to talk about that. But the other thing I wanted that occurred to me is I think I think I have this right. Weren't you one of the three authors of the Gangs of Waterdeep uh, big epic, or is that somebody else? Someone else did that. Man. That was uh, Sean. I know. And I know Sean James and James. And Will. Oh, Will Doyle. That's right. Did you yeah. Did you get a chance to play it? Yeah, we yeah, played yeah. at the same I table was, together. I, I played it with this guy called Mike Shea. Yeah, he was a know. loser, right? I think he <laughs> he was the one that blew it, right? Because he attacked the drow, and no one should attack the drow. I think you kissed someone in a carriage, so that's a win. Yeah, I did. I used my my knock rod, and what occurs to me is like you can almost think of that. That was probably one of the most fun D and D games I've ever yeah. played in. Right? It was right. just outstanding. Your friend Paul. Yeah doing the fan dance around the table mm -hmm. just yeah. made, you know, I, I'll right. never forget that. And mm. what the interesting thing about that is it was like eight hours long, right? It wasn't a nine hour long with a break or something like that, or 10 yeah, hours with a break. So. And yeah. we, fought, we fought one dude and it was a mistake, right? Like we, we fought a dude and we really shouldn't have. And all the rest of yeah. it was sort of navigating this, these complicated situations that were mixtures yeah. of diplomacy and persuasion and all the different there wasn't just a bunch of skill checks it was doing a bunch of stuff and you could think like that was that was a tremendous like you know skill challengey sort of game yeah but it, it did have this very organic feel i never felt like i was stuck in a framework i never felt like you right. know i never felt like we weren't allowed to do to do something um, and the interesting thing is our, our dungeon master who, who ran that for us, mm -hmm. I think had only been playing D and D for like nine months. Right. She was something like she that. Was, yeah. She yeah, was pretty she, new. And she, no. if, if it wasn't, it was like her second con, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. And, and she yeah. was tremendous, right? Like it right. was just, and that, you know, so that speaks to obviously how well they wrote that. And then lots yeah. of smart things they did with it, like making sure that all the characters were rogues. Right. I think there was like, ro yeah. like five rogues in a bard or something. Yeah. It was like the character breakdown. Yeah. So we knew you know, we, we knew what we were going to be doing. But if you think about that as like a giant skill challenge, you know, it that was one that I think worked out really well. It offered up a lot of mm -hmm. options, um, it, you know, for, 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 for freedom, but also for these big, complicated situations. Um, so, yeah, a couple of people in chat are saying they're called progress, pro progress clocks or danger clocks. And it was something that awesome. I had investigated, unfortunately, after I did a video where I talked about it, this stuff. After you do a video <laughs> is the time to then do the research and realize how wrong you were. And one of the, um, so one of the things that, that I like about this idea of progress clocks is like, they're, they're, they're almost like skill challenges, but they're like the smallest piece of a skill challenge. They are like, you essentially draw a circle and you divide it into some number of pie pieces. And mm -hmm. the more pie pieces, the more complicated or, or, or the more, it's not, it's not necessarily complications. It's the number of potential failures or successes you need. And you could have multiple clocks. So you could have a clock that's the guards are on to you. And mm -hmm. after all of this fills up, they're going to capture you. And on this other side is you need to find all of the information. There are four pieces. And the, the clock pieces are four. Yeah. And, I, and I thought that was a, you know, it's only like if you, I think, um, I think the, there's a Blades in the Dark. I think it's, I think it's um, Creative Commons. So I think you can actually go look at the text on the web. I haven't, I haven't owned it, but I, I haven't, I gotta be honest. I haven't, I haven't read it. Yeah. Well, I have it. Yeah. So I have a physical copy upstairs and I read this part, you know, I've looked at a lot of it, but I've read this part. I've never played blades. I'd really love to, mm -hmm. I'd really love yeah, to, uh, uh, to play blades. Uh, ah, so evil John posted the link to progress clocks in, um, uh, in the Twitch chat. Uh, so 
what's neat about so he has all the you know, it, it describes uh this whole thing um i think it's jonathan is it jonathan harper who made blades in the dark i think i have that right i don't know that's off the top of my head so hopefully i'm right um and it's, it's a really simple way of like handling john harper john harper excellent so um it's a really easy way to handle complex situations with just a tiny tool which is essentially like check boxes right or like tick marks you yeah. know it doesn't have to be yeah. a circle with lines through it that's really nice right, sure. it could just be you know tracking successes yeah. and failures but you can track you can you can assign the number of successes and failures to the things that are in the world right mm -hmm. and you could say like in order to stop the ritual there are four things they have to do one, two, three, and four, bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang. And then when they complete four, they've done it. And failure will be if this thing happens five times, one, two, three. Totally. And they're wrapped around the things that, that happen, you know, that happen in the world. Um, and I yeah, think- Yeah, because like that was a thing that that uh, skill challenges really had as a problem, right? And that they, they often, when you failed, it was like you got the equivalent of exhaustion, right? You lost healing surges. Right. <laughs> uh, and even in fifth edition, you see people who are mimicking skill challenges, right. but they'll just toss exhaustion onto it. Because a, a common thing is going through the wilderness, right? That's an obvious yeah, skill right. challenge thing. Yep. So then it's, we'll take a thing of exhaustion. Oh, and then later there's a monster that gives you exhaustion. Oh, and then soon you've got, you're carrying some of the characters around. <laughs> and they would they rather be move, dead, right? right? <laughs> like yeah, two, two levels of exhaustion. Is. I'm just going to go hang myself. Right. I have opinions about exhaustion, yeah. but, um, but you know, and that's the problem is you want to think about what are these failures and conditions. So one way is sort of like we're talking about before, right? Which is that it's just natural progress and setbacks, right? If you're trying to negotiate with a Templar to learn how to get into the arena of tier, which is a not okay to go to area, you must do well enough that they're not right. going to sell you off because if they sell you off, that's going to have a negative or they might even tell you the wrong way or the trap filled way, right? <laughs> you will die and I will report you. Yeah. Perfect. Win, win. Right. Yeah. So those, and, and that result isn't necessarily known to you feel like you did a poor job, but maybe, but they told you how to get in. Mm -hmm. Okay. How mm -hmm. bad could that be? Right. And so now we've got a, the makings of a story, right. And that feels good and real, or we could do something like a clock like system or something like that. Right. We know that there's, um, you're trying to elude the gang that's hunting you down through the streets and you're taking all these actions, but at some point they'll get there, right? Mm -hmm. Or you must find the ritual site uh, before the ritual goes off so that you can get into the dungeon and have that last scene be stopping the ritual. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you right, got to right. get in there with enough time. Right. Uh, those are all great devices and, 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 and you don't necessarily need any one approach to it. That's what I think was so bad about that three failures this idea that three failures was always the number like oh, no i don't know where that came so from so arbitrary i think uh, evil john in chat said like no one could take four <laughs> right? like, like you just rage quit like i'm done i'm done with dnd yeah well it was all too long and, and, and that idea that you know complexity some everybody you know after a while you never found a skill challenge that was really more than complexity one no because everything having, else was tremendously right. boring yeah Right, without having arbitrary rules that that changed it, which is yeah. what a lot of good skill challenges were, is they they changed that focus because otherwise it was yeah it was terribly boring. Yeah, well, and 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 that rigid the same problem with of rigidity. The longer it was, the more likely players are going to come up with ideas that are going to wreck whatever the framework was. You know, a small skill challenge like a three a three <laughs> by three. Right out. What's that? Five is right out. <laughs> exactly. <Python> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a three by three is really just like a big skill check, right? It's, it's not, you know, yeah. like we, I'm sure we've done it in 5e and never even thought about it, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, I mean, if you think about the process of getting, you know, we talked about the old Gygax style of getting through the door, you know, uh -huh. that, that, this, that process is like a small skill challenge, right? Yeah, that the is. process is like, well, is it trapped? I don't know. Do a perception check. Okay, I roll a perception check. Oh, I rolled a three. Well, my passive is 14, so does that mean anything? And then you're like, no, it needed a 15, right? And so, so you know, it's a perception check to discover if it's trapped or not. Yeah. It's a investigation check to figure out how it's trapped and, and how you're going to muck with it. It's perhaps a thieves tools or sleight of hand check or something else, or maybe it's an arcana check if it's if it's magical to try to disarm the check. And then it's like, well, now it's locked. So now I got to roll a thieves tool check to unlock it or screw this. I'm tired. I know it's not trapped. I'm just going to kick in the door. Right. And then, you know, well, that's an athletics check. So you have, you know, it's like, yeah. And nobody, you know, God help you if anybody's running doors like that. <laughs> or you, you go to the mic chain, like after a thorough investigation, you recognize it is neither trapped nor locked.
Yeah, just yeah. get through the door. Yeah. There is a fireball, a slow fireball coming up behind you, though. So you're going to want to get through that well, room. Yeah, and, and if you're going to make a door that complicated, then you need to think through what the fun is, right? And that, yeah, that's right. part of the skill challenge, too. There were some times that there would be skill challenges. Uh, this is true in 5th edition, too, where you find this skill challenge framework that is not worth experiencing. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, like, it's not interesting. And a lot of, there was a fourth edition adventure, and I like the author a lot, and I liked most of this adventure a lot. But in it, you were going through a sort of frozen area, sort of, I don't know, oral infused kind of coldness type thing. I don't know that it was actually oral, but something, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like an evil entity infused. And as you're pressing through, it was like, how do you press through, right? So the, the fighter just goes like, well, I have a huge gun, so I just take it. <laughs> and then the adventure would tell you, you, you know, I don't know, murder seal pups and wrap your skin <laughs> in them. And, 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 and it was just so kill funny and, to like- Kill and open up context. a tauntaun. Yeah. Right, and then you, you know, work through, and then someone else would be like, well, I just jump over the snow drifts with like athletics. And you're like, I don't even know that there are snow drifts. Sure, okay. And it was just, you know, and, and but then the text would say, like, you jump over an icy pond, avoiding it. And you're like, <laughs> none of this feels like it's real. It's like a weird choose your own adventure board game thing. Right. Um, and, and that's the thing is, is yeah, there's and, nothing, and the there's nothing worse is, than text in the adventure telling you how your character accomplished something. Right. You're like, why right. am I playing? You already figured and this without, out. And without individual context, because the idea is just like, well, I have to traverse this land, but I don't even know what the challenge really is. Right. And now you're just making me roll and then you're going to tell me about the challenges after the roll and also by the way how i superseded them you know it's it's a really it's a disconnect right and where, whereas it would be more interesting if you say you're going you know scene one of the skill challenge is you hit this area that has you know steep sides and there are these icy areas but the ice looks really thin mm -hmm. what do you do mm -hmm. and now we're like oh yeah what do we do I don't know. Can I see if some of them are thinner than others? You know, hey, I'm the ranger. Maybe I can make like some sort of nature check to figure out, you know, stuff. And I, you know, I can look for tracks. You know, you start coming up with some ideas and now everybody's a little more involved because the scene has character and we can describe it based on that too. You succeed at the nature check. You find that, you know, most of them should be pretty frozen, but some of them are not going to be. And it can, you know, you think there's some geothermal vents under here. So it's not just, you know, they're not uniform. Oh, okay cool and ah, you found some tracks and so now we're on to it and we get through that scene and that can be kind of part one mm -hmm. and we could get to part two and it can be something else interesting like you know there's this ice bridge that goes across well how do you want to handle that right and an important part is always to come up with what should be automatic success right like if i just cast mass fly we all cross right or i have some arcane gate type spell well, we all get across. Or maybe I come up with a really clever idea involving ropes and a summoned monster and who knows what else, right? And so cat cats. Come tentacle. on. Tentacle. Sorry. Mike Shea has tentacles confirmed. Yep. Yep. That's my uh, Evard. Evard black tentacle. Um so I want to talk about beats, skill challenges and beats uh, in a second mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, if you are here on Twitch, there's a bunch of you here. If you have any questions, any topics, any thoughts that you want to share, please feel free to throw them in chat. Teos and I will be happy to talk about any and all topics, uh, uh, reasonable topics. Uh, so, so please tell us how you feel about it. Where have you used skill challenges and they've worked for you? How have you changed how skill challenges uh, were, were, were done back in 4E? Uh, what are your thoughts about them now? You know, where do you get stuck? All those kinds of things. We want to hear about it all. Um, and, and please put it in there and, and, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, it's funny that you talk about like, um, you know, going through the wilderness or going through the frozen tundra and like, how do you survive, you know, and all these things. And I think part, part of the way that skill challenges end up getting boring or not really interesting is because nothing good happens from them. Right. It's yeah. all just endurance. I mean, not always, but like, you know, a lot of, like you're not going to get a gold out of it. Yeah. I mean, it could depend, but a lot of them were like traveling through, you know, we got to do something yeah. while you're traveling through the jungle. And you're like, well, right. I'm only either going to get throat leeches or not. Right. And like, I'd rather not have throat leeches. So, you know, can't we just montage this? You know, do we have yeah. to like roll throat leech checks? And well, the thing with the montage, montage can be great, right? Sure. But, uh, like, uh, like I've, played with keith baker and he's great at those scenes but you have to want that like you have to want the you have made it through three days of the wilderness tell me mike how did you yeah you know what was a cool moment you had right 
that can be great, but not everybody loves that. And, and, and it can be sort of surprising to people sometimes to hear that. And maybe it's very obvious to others, but it's true. Like some players just go like, what do you mean? I'm just going to tell you what happened. Like, I, I don't want that. You tell me what the situation was or give me, you know, it's sort of like when you ask people to world build, sometimes they love it and sometimes they don't. They, they want to really feel that the DM creates the world mm -hmm. and then they overcome it in the moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, when, when, when running scenes like that, if you are going to have, like I've done it, I'm running rhyme of the frost maiden now and I'll have it that if they're going across, like, you know, they're not traveling on the road. Um, I kind of go back to the style that I was using when I was running Tomb of Annihilation, which is, uh, you know, who who are your trackers? Like, who who is it that's setting a path, you know, so that you're not going to get lost in the, you know, the frozen north? And who's keeping an eye out for any nasty monsters or anything that's on you? And who's doing something else? Sometimes it's provisioning. If it's more than a couple, of, you know, if it's more than a couple days, it's like. Who's making sure everybody's staying hydrated? Who's making sure yeah. everybody's staying warm? Who's making sure that the food isn't, you know, isn't spoiling? You know, who's who's making sure of all this stuff? And and then you know, in some cases they say like, well, my ranger has favored terrain. I'm not going to lose path. And you're like, great, you're the pathfinder, and you automatically succeed. We don't even worry about rolling. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you know the guy. Well, I have a 26 passive perception, so I'm going to be the, you know, the the guy in the watch. Mm -hmm. And you're like, man, they keep rolling 27s, right? So. Um, you know, you can you can kind of work with that. And, you know, and it's interesting when people use, and I think this is true for skill challenges overall, it's what frustrated us in 4E. And I think it's something that many of us, I know I do, and I'm pretty sure you do embrace, is when people will use like spells or other abilities mm -hmm. or other circumstances or bits of their background or other bits of history to overcome an obstacle. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you don't have to roll a check to do it, right? And sometimes right. we're like, I feel like a check is in order, but you're like, no, they, they have it right. Like they, they, you know, this part of their character they built, why wouldn't we automatically right. give them the reward for this? What? It doesn't hurt I, anything. You know, back in, in relatively early four E arcane gate was one of those spells that you could take, right. That's sort of yeah. like a dimension door, like get right. to the or arcane bridge. I think it was arcane bridge. Wasn't it? I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe arcane gate sounds right. But, uh, arcane gate sounds right. So there was a scene where you're in this temple, and all these one T come out and you need to get to at the far end, you see this body, which is the body of the Explorer trying to cover their pack. And this stone door starts closing off, blocking off that body. Right. And this player, you know, this is the first time it happened, but it happened after that where they use arcane gate. Right. Cause people start swapping it for other stuff. Right. That was more power more damage. Right. But some people would have it and the player would inevitably use something like this yeah. and go, I can get right there. And yeah. I'm, th and I would just go like, Oh, good call. And, but I'm thinking to myself, that's why I put this there. I put this for you to do that. Like, <laughs> right. This is, a, I, that's my gift to you. Enjoy it. Yeah. You're supposed to look totally cool. Right. You now. didn't that's sit back and be like, I'll allow it. <laughs> right. No. And then that's the thing, right. Is like, that's what's important about those situations is right. there are going to be some times when the players just use that cool feature. And that's the whole point. Like that's great when every now and then something's just going to be blown away by that class feature. And and we see this, you can look at a lot of these Tasha's designs that they'll have some of these features that don't come up very often mm -hmm. and they're relatively high levels. And you're like, man, there better be some payoff. Mm -hmm. I forget what the feature was, but Sean and I on our podcast were reviewing one of them recently that was a level 14 feature and i'm thinking to myself you might play three campaigns or more and never have this feature come up right so if you're a dm you need to come up with some way that this feature yeah <laughs> i've definitely embraced the lazy side of that which is like i'll i'll pay a lot of attention to the circumstances that are happening and i'll certainly default to like saying yes when they have a feature like that mm -hmm. that has any relevance to the situation I'll be pleasantly surprised and work with them to 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 make that happen. But it's rare for me to like understand the features that a character has and then build circumstances sure. to reinforce those features. It's 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 cool. And I'm sure the people that do it, I'm sure there's a lot of good payoff for that. Um, I'm just too lazy to do it. Yeah, right? There's like six characters. There's a lot of features <laughs> like I've got well, a game to run. Often what I'll do. So one thing is I don't I tend to not let characters level often yeah <laughs> which is is a little bit of a sore subject sometimes with my players <laughs> but what it allows me to do is when they do level you can really pay I mean, if we're all like it, yeah. in D, D beyond yeah 
it's not a big deal to go in and look and see what are the new things they got. Yeah. Right. Or have oh, open now they can do this all the time. All right. Well, I'll be a little more prepared for that. And often it's about that cheese factor to just know it and, and know that it's coming and right. okay, I, you know. But sometimes it's that they have that wacky thing. You know, I can talk to the spirits. Well, okay, that's a thing I can play with in this campaign, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm some looking through. Are super thematic. Yeah, looking through some of the chats. So um, Galandrill says that, that they've used Galand skill challenges for stopping a ritual, surviving a night against a zombie horde, and trying to find a teenage werewolf before he transforms. I think that in uh, James Intercasso's um, adventure, uh what what it's the it's one of the i'm I'm not going to remember the name it's the um eberron adventure uh where uh where the dead wait oh yeah we're yeah i think that's right yeah and it's wait. it's a it's sort of a, a you know zombie apocalypse kind of adventure where you Third have to, oracle of war adventure yeah yeah right yeah. And you have to sort of survive the night getting attacked by you know the the, the undead hordes of the mist of the of the uh you know, the, 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 whatever the, the mornland is, the mornland, yeah, the, the, the morn, yeah. yeah, the mornland mist. And, um, that, that's one that has like a lot of different mm -hmm. skill checky sort of things. And it, and you know, there's a fair bit of combat, right? You're guarding the door mm -hmm. and kicking people in the face, but there's a lot of like investigating the house and finding stuff in the cellars and working with all these strange things. And, and that's another one where it's like, like you say, it's a, I haven't read it, right? I ran, I played in it, but I didn't read it. I've run it too, so yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and so I I imagine the way it's written has lots of like these are these are all the different things that can happen here, and here's you know here's how you can inter inter interact with it. Here's how the characters can interact with it. It's complex. I I um I was sort of impressed at how complex it is, and and but I think it it's that it's the complexity I love and aspire to that communicates to the DM play with this mm -hmm. right. Like I'm giving you this. This is the framework as intended. You get the point of this do what you need to adjust it. And clearly when Graham ran it for us, mm -hmm. um, you know, he adjusted it on the fly. And I did the same thing with my table, sort of, you know, how long should it be? When should those reinforcements arrive? When should the phase kick in? You know, you can play with that a bit because you get it. You get that the, the structure there is really neat and there are all kinds of cool ideas and neat checks to do about the history of the place and what's downstairs and all that. And so, yeah, it's great stuff. I mm -hmm. love it. You know what I also thought about when you were saying earlier about sort of traversing over an extended period of time, there's a little bit of that in um, uh, uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. When you're in the caravan for that extended period of time, mm -hmm. you know, that's a case where you've got a number of different checks that take place as you're trying to sort of act like you are the people you are and learn things and figure out what to do and different things are coming in. That's sort of skill challenge-ish in some ways. It mm -hmm. has some mm -hmm. of those aspects. Yeah, let's see. Some other folks uh, use skill challenges to, for a minecart chase, uh, escape from a uh, and escape. It's, it says and escape from a published adventure. I, I presume they mean there was a minecart chase and escape in a published adventure, not actual <laughs> escaping from a published. Adventure. That's pretty meta. Um, I had a friend of mine I mean, sharing sharing a sharing a, a tale. cartoon story. Yeah, a friend of mine is running story. a very high level fifth edition game. This doesn't count as me talking about my game because it's actually another guy's game. And he was telling me that like they're in hell, I think, or some version of hell, and they they face Charon, the the boatman, who says like, you know, I will give you back this thing, you know, but you have to play this game. And he sat them all around a table and gave them character sheets, and they're playing <laughs> Hidden Shrine of Tomoachan, and and I was like, and he he's like, do you think that's a cool idea? And I'm like. I don't know. It sounds pretty great. I'm like, only if he's a dick DM though, like he should have a lot of house rules. You know, he should like have, like he should be all of the things you yeah. try not to be. And now you have to role play him. And he said like, Charon totally was getting style. really upset about metagaming, which I thought was just outstanding. Right. Like the characters are metagaming in uh, So yeah, oh, man. So that's that you can only do that's that. That's a great idea. That's like going yeah, once yeah. in a lifetime you know you're not getting away when with the that dm is role-playing being another dm right, <laughs> right. That's <a> inception it's like <laughs> right it was like inception. inception and and all the players are like you just you just don't want us to play our 18th level characters do you you want fifth level characters yeah so i thought that was i thought that was pretty funny it's but, like in tomb of and tomb of annihilation uh, we had a b team of their hirelings that they started to play <laughs> and they're like is this an excuse for you to not level our characters i'm like a little bit yeah yeah I thought, you can level i'm not those. saying that's true but boy it's a lot easier yeah uh -huh. when you're it's a lot easier when you're fourth level <laughs> um 
So yeah, uh, uh, Zellspell says keep it tight and the results uh, and keep the, keep it tight and results set up and counter after chase, which I presume is like you know, there, there's something about keeping the end close to the beginning in a skill challenge, right? Mm -hmm. That like if you're gonna have this sort of framework, you know, you don't want a big long thing. Like the the further out you get, the the you know the wider the variance on on how it's gonna play out. The, I mean, if it's a I fixed thing, you kind of whatever. Work. Well, you want to know your goal, right? Yeah. Like, and that goal shouldn't get lost. And that's true of any encounter, any adventure. Um, we see that in Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, right? Where what's our goal? Mm -hmm. At the beginning, you, you're pretty sure when you bought the book that the goal was ending the rhyme. But it's not the goal at the beginning. It's kind of the goal in the middle, but then it's not. And right. And that's one of those things where what is the goal? Like when the goal moves or isn't defined, then mm -hmm. we can lose ourselves. Right. And, and this, a skill challenge know what the goal is and it can be traverse the wilderness or whatever and then we can right. have really wide experiences because we know what we're doing is we're traversing this wilderness yeah. right or yeah. we're finding the secret door we're uh negotiating with the noble for passage and when you get that thing going you got it right yeah and i and i really think that like keeping paying particular attention to the good things that can happen right what 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 benefit will they gain is there is there a way that if they traverse it really well they gain something from it, you know, this, this sort of right. like if you're, you know, if you go to a, a un, unhallowed ground, an unholy ground where dark cultists have been twisting the, the land and there's a huge monument and you do this check, maybe you don't just hallow it. Maybe that a divine being that was trapped there gives you a bless that lasts for the whole day and all of your characters get it. Right. And then they're like, wow, I'm better than I was. <laughs> right? Like I, I left this skill challenge and I actually gained something. Along those lines, I'm trying to remember... I think in something I wrote for MCDM, they may have actually asked me to do a sort of skill challenge type thing, hmm. but I could be inventing. So I know, so I, I know, I know Matt Colville. I haven't, I, I think I probably watched it as a while ago. I know skill challenges are something that he's talked about. And I think he talked about them fondly. He, I think he yeah. liked, he liked having a framework for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, but I'm, and, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure what yeah, his approach so, was. So when, when everybody gets their kingdoms and warfare, which you should get, cause it's, I've seen it. I'm one of those fortunate few who's seen it and it is really good. Uh, and I'm the kind of person to poo poo that sort of stuff. Like, Oh, <laughs> mass, you know how I feel about mass combat. Like, I'm, uh, you know, maybe we should just do missions, you know? Right. And so seeing <laughs> a system feeling, that yeah. actually, like I would use, like, this is cool. And that's what this is in this book amongst many other things, but mm -hmm. I got to write the adventure for it. And uh, it has some scenes in there that you would say are skill challenge ish. Cool. I didn't. I didn't places. know you. Uh, I had an adventure in. Yeah. In so I wrote awesome. the adventure for it, which is super fun to do because I got to look at the system. Yeah. And think about how do I write an adventure that lets you use that system, right? So that you mm -hmm. and showcases, it, which is kind of what I did for acquisitions incorporated, right? How do we write these rules for things like franchises? The idea that yeah. you are part of this larger entity, and then have an adventure that literally shows the DM here's how you can have you know your organization grow over time and here's how you can use the downtime right every single chapter has downtime in it and organization growth and so it's it's part of the framework so i, I took that side of approach to sort of say like all right you know we want to sell people on these rules like you bought this book yeah, you want right. the adventure to show you how they work yeah right yeah. i've got these cool rules and the adventure is helping me do it right and so that was that was like my big goal design wise going into it so when people see it i think they'll We'll, we'll enjoy it and get their money's worth from it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love, yeah, in the comments here saying I'm about to run Siege of Castle Rend by Scipio 202X. Um, I love that adventure. James Haig wrote it, and the characters in it are just fantastic, really cool, and, and, and some neat surprises to the story, too. So try to, that was another thing is I was like, all right, I got to, you know, base it off of this thing that James Haig wrote. And I, even though I owned it, I hadn't really read the adventure what, what, closely. Which, which, uh, which, where is this? from strongholds and strongholds and followers yeah the first yeah book. so the first matthew colville mm -hmm. mega kickstarter book and um i owned it and i still own it but uh but i hadn't closely looked at it i just flipped through it and i'm like oh this is cool i'll read it someday so then i had to read it because i was writing the sequel and i'm like wow this is kind of good i'm supposed to follow this <laughs> <laughs> james take uh, james take knows really, what he's doing yeah he knows what he's doing. It's really good. I'm like, oh, this is really good. I would have been happy if I'd written this. Yeah, yeah. I hope I did a decent job to it. Yeah, I'm sure it would be great. Um, if anything, I don't know who's doing. I don't know if we know who's doing the editing, so you have to find out who's behind you. So whoever it is, hopefully yeah, it they're good and they can clean it up. 
Uh, so Evil, Evil John brings up a point uh, when it comes to skill challenges and stuff, which is the, 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 the need to, imp to, to improvise, uh, you know, the way we've been talking about it, right? We've been doing a lot of talk about how, you know, stay flexible and, you know, go with the flow of the situation and, and stuff like that. But that does put a pretty high demand on being able to improvise and that some people, as Evil John says, they vapor lock on improv, right? Like they don't know what to do. What, what would you, for, for people that feel like they're not particularly great at that skill, what are some things that people can do to, to sort of help them be ready to, to improvise when things are going left in a complicated, in a complicated situation? So I think that, you know, what, what it's, it's about thinking about the scene and where, where the scene can lead to, like, what are the prongs of the fork rather than what fourth edition often did, which was just the outcome of the role. Mm -hmm. It was very role focused, right? And, and then it would try to tell you things like you fell into a pool of water. And, and that's sort of dissatisfying when it does get, it doesn't feel organic when we weren't talking about the pool of water, right? Mm -hmm. um, and even if like, say like that icy ground, and you've got like some icy pools, just saying like you slip and fall into one like that's okay, but but maybe you want a little more, and 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 so you want to think about what what is the point of what's going on here, right? If if we're in Candlekeep, and it's a skill challenge to find a book, right? Um, thinking about what happens, like the librarian that gets angry at you, and and you know you're disturbing me, you don't know how important I am, or I've got research to do, right? Those kinds of things become fun, mm -hmm. right? Because they're they're fun situations, and so. As you work on, on uh, to me, the, the way to work on your improv or your reactions, I don't know if it's even improv, is just the idea of thinking through those situations and trying to breathe life into them and little by little, game after game, getting better at that, right? To just add color to the scene, knowing sort of what the point of it is, which is, okay, well, if you fail at this check in trying to get help from this librarian, um, th sort of this avenue is closed off and you'll have to go to someone else um and and that's gonna make take longer right maybe that's that's what your plan is so your plan can sort of be like that that well it'll it'll take more steps mm -hmm. and be more involved because that the head person is the per you know she could have given you the info but you angered her so she doesn't help you and so you've got to go another way um or if it's crossing the wilderness that maybe uh you end up setting camp in a really bad place <laughs> <laughs> and you can think through those kinds of situations, right? And so, and and make them into fun scenes where everybody's like, "Oh my God, I can't believe you know we uh, we're doing this." Like I remember in uh, in Tomb of Annihilation, they were going through some watery area, and I had them meet the I can't remember the name of the creature. Someone in chat probably will, but those crab folks mm -hmm. or yeah, lobster I don't, folks. I don't remember what they're called, but yeah, um, they're like with an A. But so they're very pacifist, uh, yeah. or, or maybe I think they're pacifist. So I, I played them that way. And they tried to interact with them and did a quite poor job. And so then everything they did, I just had backfire, right? So they're, they're like, they don't have any weapons. And, and they're, uh, I think it was the idea was they're being predated upon by the Thans mm -hmm. is the way I spun it. So they like gave them weapons. So they like put weapons into the water and then like the weapons go flying out onto the ground, right? <laughs> reject so, like, whatever it was, was just like rejected. So I just had fun with the idea of your failure, even though they were trying to, right. they knew as characters right stuff was but they just kept failing at it and so it's just yeah. it didn't communicate well because of that language barrier and and that was a very fun enjoyable scene for everybody all around failure and it was just feeding off of what's going on in the situation right yes yeah that's, a, yeah, that's yeah. a that's something i think you know there's a there's a there's an interesting duality uh that i've that i've come to recognize uh which is sort of like what's right for this situation and the story in the world and what's fun for the scene, mm -hmm. what's gonna be fun to play out. And that there's sometimes you can do both, but a lot of times there's a balance between one and the other, right? And, and sometimes yeah. it's like what would make sense isn't really what's fun. So I'm mm -hmm. gonna dial that back a little bit because fun is more, you know, fun trumps it. So if, you know, when, you know, when, a, when a DM says, well, I'm sorry, but that's the way the world would be is exactly the same as a player saying, well, that's the way, the, that's what my character would do, right? So. You know, we have full control over the world. We can do what we want and we can have things. Maybe, you know, maybe the guards aren't alerted, even though you've been banging pots and pans in the kitchen for two hours. Right. They're all drunk. Who knows? Uh, so that but but when you can find that situation of like what is happening in the world and what makes sense, given 
what the characters have done and given the situation of the roles and 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 given what's going on but also what's entertaining about it even if it's a yeah. failure what's the what's a fun failure here right? right and you'll and you'll pick up the clue you know the the cues from your players right you'll start to see like they think it's funny uh, there you know i'm going to double down on that right it's like because if they're sitting back with their arms crossed like oh this just sucks like you're not going to keep doing that right yeah. but if somebody's just laughing or if they say something i i do this off the time where they say something out of character, but it's so funny. And it would be so funny if they had said it in character that you turn it into in-character text, right? Yeah, yeah. And I do the same thing with villains all the time, right? Like right. liches who are talking about their spell slots and, and stuff like that, you know? And, and it's just like, the other one's like, just relax, right? Like we're all just having fun around a table. Consistency isn't, isn't paramount. Like, you know, go ahead and laugh at yourself and go ahead and, you know, say something of like, no, that's really not what happened. Hang on. This happens instead. Like we can, we're all yeah, just and, playing a game. And when you're writing, whether it's your home campaign or, and, and it's part of your, you know, your outline, or if it's for publication, you want to create those kinds of opportunities for those kinds of possibilities. Right. And so how can you make it fun that these failures or successes will spin into various things that you can't quite control and that's okay because you'll riff off of it because we know where we're going to go right mm -hmm. in, in some way we know the point we know the goal we know the objective and so if something silly or, or ruinous or surprising happens we can play around with that and we can create some opportunities right and so like folks have really liked in uh jungle treks that i wrote with eric mengi we have this encounter uh, with Grun, the the you know frog dudes, yeah. who are um, they all worship. They have little medallions that has a little emblem, and they're all shouting this thing over and over again. And Grung is just the language Grung, so you probably can't understand them unless you stop to figure it out. But they're all they're all saying for the pig, and they have these little pig medallions. And what it all can clue you into, it can either be <laughs> thanks, Evil John, appreciate it. Um, he's sharing the link. <laughs> um, you can either decide that, well, these are really wacky creatures and we're going to stab them to death, but at least it was interesting because they're bizarre, mm -hmm. right? And that's fine. Or they might be like, you know, I'm going to stop and cast tongues and maybe you're going to diplomatize or maybe you get a little bit of both, you know, like talk some of them down, beat some of them down. We had an interesting mix when, when I play tested it, but it's that idea of that there is potential here, right? There's, there's that potential energy that can turn into something mm -hmm. when the players decide to engage with it, right? And that that's what's neat in these scenes. And it makes it, it feels like you improvised a whole bunch, but but the seeds were all there. Right. And so you're just following those threads, you're, you're seeing how it all grows and it's great, right? Yeah, I wish, I, there, there was a couple times where I've been playing like with my Sunday group and we'll have this sort of like chain reaction riffing on on a situation. And you know, like you're, you're screwing the character but everyone thinks it's hysterical, including the player, right? And they're just yeah. in on it. And yeah. you just keep doubling down and doubling down on it. And everyone's just laughing. And it's, yeah, it's it's magic it's when great. that happens. Like It's magic yeah. when like you didn't expect it to happen. They didn't expect it to happen. You know, their character's sitting there in the middle of a, you know, half hip deep in a, in a cesspool surrounded by orcs, but everyone's laughing, right? And yeah, and, yeah it's just it's it's just awesome when that happens. Uh, so keep- I was going to say, Sean Merwin wrote this thing into, an, into the Acquisitions Incorporated Adventure where you can have a bunch of dye hit a character. Yeah. And you're dyed green, I think it is, for, for a month, I think it is. <laughs> and it's so funny. And this, you know, I, I, when I read it, I was like, okay, that's interesting. But then having the recurring joke where the right. player would go, wait, am I still green? You know, they're about yep. to talk to someone. Right. Am I still green? I'm like, yeah, I know. You see the person, you know, the merchant's totally staring uh, at you, wondering yeah. why your really right. skin's all green. <laughs> So uh, Kithri210 brings up a question, which is the tricky bit is that when there's a wide difference between a player's skill at like persuasion or deception and their characters, like, you know, what do you do? And I've, I had this happen where somebody gave a tremendously great speech, like this perfect, eloquent, like the, the player did it, this perfect, eloquent speech. And, and you know, I said, roll a persuasion check. And it was like a two, right? Uh -huh. And what do you, what do you, or the opposite, right? Where somebody... You know, the the player Worst who's asleep at the table is the one that has a perception of 26, right? So <laughs> uh, what do you, you know, how do you deal with situations where the the player proficiency and the character proficiency are different? And, and particularly a, a, yeah. an action and a role are, are at So odds. one thing is if you can, you know, roll first 
give the then, spiel after, right? And I, I forget that as a player. I try to remind myself as a player to do that. Roll the dice, then make the speech accordingly, mm -hmm. right? Based on who my character is and what they do. Um, what I tend to do is say something like, you chose the best words possible, but unwittingly insulted your host. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> you as you're saying yeah. it, you're yeah, and depending on the character, right? So some characters might be picking their nose while they're making this great speech. Others might be, you know, uh, their you know their shirt tail has come out and it's in the guy's wine or something like that, yeah. right? Or you know, some something the guy, happens. The guy down the block is like, soap with a prize inside, right here, and everyone's like, oh prize huh and they all wander away from your good speech exactly right like somehow <laughs> it just does not you know your, your flies undone it can be anything right right um and such that it it it, it draws away from those good words and, and likewise if you rolled super well but your you know your plan was terrible um <laughs> and and you know say completely luck, luck is on your side yeah work yeah luck is on your side and somehow you know and, and everybody else maybe everybody else in the court is going like i can't believe the king's buying into this right, <laughs> right. You can see, and that can be a good way like you can see dissension in the ranks there is some impact to the fact that what you said is actually a really bad idea but you said it so well that you convinced the king and right. you know or the queen is saying yes and you know or that'd be great right you know the queen says yes but the king hates it yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's just saying yes to placate her. And some of some of the high insight characters could pick up on that. And, you know, you've got this future tension that might come out mm -hmm. as a result of what you did. That could be really interesting. Right. So you can roll with it the more that you, you think about it. And if you're fortunate enough to think about it at the moment. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of tricks that I've pulled. Uh, one is like if they give a really good speech, they just get an automatic advantage on the check. Mm -hmm. Right. So like at least they have two chances to do well oh, rather yeah. than one. Um, and then fair. the other one is like raising the floor of failure, right? Where like your speech was really good. They're convinced. It's just, are they really going to do what you want? Or are they like, well, I agree with you, but you know, and, and yeah. so the, the floor of the floor of failure goes up so that you, you know, you can't really fail that bad. Like the speech definitely works. It's just how well does it work? Yeah, you know, and, and those I, are a couple I'm of approaches all, I've taken. I'm totally down with that. Or, or as Evil John says, just the idea of just saying, like, you know, the speech was so good, it's good. You know, I, my superset of either one wins. But I tend to think that there should be some little impact, right? Right. Um, the the noble off to the side that has this stern look, like they did not like, right? Just some little implication, so that there's, it's it's sort of like if you're playing you know star wars and you got the complication yeah. result or you, you had to invoke an aspect you know one of those types of mechanics that there's some other it, it was at a cost right right yeah you, you succeeded but you know that things weren't as smooth as they should yeah, have been. like your your speech was so good a big crowd came hey look who's that is that the assassin who's been hunting you all this time i think you got <laughs> his attention too right like yeah yeah you, know, you succeeded like they're on it but like you also got some attention you didn't want yeah. or you really made you know you really made the vendor across the street who's trying to sell melons. He's he's pretty payoed at you for taking all his customers away. So right, yeah, like, that, like that idea, right? That Z spell says the seven to nine in PBDA, right? right. Or PB, PBTA, right? The the powered totally. by the apocalypse, that that success with a cost. And I think, yeah, those are like, you know, there's sort of a, a set of tools, right? And it's like having advantage, you know, give, giving advantage or disadvantage based on situations is a, is a DM tool you know, that we can use knowing what the DC to set is, right. Is it, is a tool, uh, you know, the other, and when, when do you raise or, you know, lower the floor, or raise the ceiling, which is it's also like, yeah, it, or, yeah, right. That DC is always based on character level. Right. I just, I just use character level as a DC. Um, so the, the, um, how do you raise this, you know, lower the, lower the ceiling and raise the floor depending on what they did. Uh, which mm -hmm. comes to this, like, you know, getting comfortable with success at a cost or failing forward, which is really what skill challenges were trying to do is was wire in a hard wire in success with a cost. Like you're not going to succeed on one check and failing forward. You're not going to fail on just one check. Right. Uh, right. But I but I don't think those are complicated story. Right. With steps. Right. We want a complicated story. And and. Yeah, and I don't think those are things that you can just put in a clean framework. They're things that take time and effort and energy, and you get better at it with time. And you can't, you know, there's, you know, you can do your best to try to describe them. And luckily, we're in an internet world where, you know, I could talk to a smart dude like you, and I can learn a whole lot, right? And people can watch live play videos and see how they play out. We can learn, a, we can learn a lot about how to get better yeah. at this. But it's a learned skill, you know. It's something. It is a learned skill. Yeah.
but it but it is you know and the funny thing is it's one of those things like any good i think you know one of the measures of a good tool is that you can often riff on it mm-hmm. and and do it with very little prep or you can make it really awesome with a lot of work and i think skill challenges are sort of like that that once you understand what's going on yeah you can improvise a skill challenge right absolutely right, right. Uh, and even i mean in fourth edition sometimes people are like I get this question sometimes. How many failures do we have so far? And they'd look around the table and ask each other. And I'm like, you guys think I'm using those rules. That's really cute. <laughs> You're like, no. I, I never, even when the adventure said X yeah, versus I'm Y, I know yeah. I'm not using that. Yeah, like I'm yeah. having a good time with you folks. And it's fun that you're, I mean, that's its own little metagame and it's, and it's actually quite enjoyable for them to think, you know, are we, a, I don't know if that was a true yeah. failure. Or not, you know? yeah, and, and I, yeah. kind of, yeah, right. <laughs> so the merchant says to you, you know. Yeah. yeah. Tails, this back. has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, as always, just love love chatting with you at any time. I don't get invited to your show, so I invite you to mine so I can still have this fine interaction. Uh, you, you will be. Yay. Uh, the problem is that there are these really cool people that, that I know. Uh, like Celeste Conowitz yeah. wanted to be on the show. And so that was going to be your I asked. Slot. I asked Celeste to come on this one. And uh, she's like, no, I'm not going on your show. So I was like, well, I'll get Tails. Tails will come on. No. I, I actually I did so, a sneak preview. I did talk to Celeste and she's going to be on the deep dive to talk about uh, Venture Maidens. So we're probably going to uh, yeah, shoot that's to that's schedule really that next week. Yeah, I'm going to try that. Did you see those heroic on. destiny type things? Did you? No, did I, you haven't had a, I haven't had a chance to see them yet. But I, I looked at the campaign overall. It looks, it looks Everybody awesome. Everybody should back it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I'm also going to have a, we're going to have a guest, Sean and I, on the Mastering Dungeons podcast that uh, you will be very pleased about once you hear their name. And I'm not gonna. Well. You're just gonna leave it at that. This big cliffhanger. I have to roll. Yeah. I have to roll a check. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. Thanks. Uh, what, what would you like to pitch? Tell us. Tell us about where people can find you. What you've got going on. What you want people to uh, do. You, you can find me at my blog on alphastream.org. You can join my mailing list that I'm slowly ranking up, trying to be awesome. like I'm as cool as Mike Shea. I have subscribed um, to that mailing list. It is awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, my friend, uh, because I will be launching this Kickstarter with my son's adventure. It's a really good adventure. I've run it in Spanish and in English already. Awesome. Uh, it's going to be written, unless it, if it funds well, it might even be in Spanish. Um, but uh, I'm really excited about it. It's a lot of fun. I had a, it was a huge joy to write with my son and see that come out. So it's super cool. Do you, do you have a name uh, for us? Or are you hanging on to that? It's the Clockwork Tower. The Clockwork Tower. Good name. Cool. Thanks. Well, I'm, um, I'm on board. I, it's a lot of fun. I've had, you know, the kind of things we're talking about, right? Neat scenes that cause people to do cool things. There's yeah. a lot of that in the adventure. So I'm excited to launch that soon. You can find me on Twitter at AlphaStream. And then uh, the podcast, Mastering Dungeons. Mastering Dungeons, fantastic part. podcast. I, I, I Thank you very love, much. love listening Appreciate to it. it really, really I great. love everything you do, Mike. And you just have Probably a list of cool people in your chat, which is like really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, thanks to all the people that have hung out today in the Twitch chat and uh, came up with really good questions. And uh, thanks to all of you watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast or wherever else you're getting this show. Uh, always appreciate your support. And uh, thank you very much. And we will, we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody.